It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams got a jam-packed show full of awesome content today. We've got our guest on from Lockdown Dolphins. That is Kyle Crab. The episode today is actually brought to you by Built Bar. And if you're not familiar with what Built Bar is, go check it out. Head over to BuiltBar.com. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWN. You're getting $10 off your first box. It is the most delicious protein bar I've ever tasted in my life. Plain and simple. Not chewy. Not dry. Not chalky. Tastes like a candy bar, but it's good for you. And the great thing is they're sponsoring the podcast all month, and they're hooking up you guys, the listener. $10 off your first box. Head over to BuiltBar.com. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWN to get that sweet discount. But as I mentioned today, a great show. Kyle Krabs on. We're also going to kind of check in back with the Rams here in the first segment and look into their process so far in this draft. The Rams have put up some really good content on their YouTube page talking kind of about behind the scenes. And if you guys haven't had a chance to look into it, we're going to talk about it here on the show, not only today, but over the next couple weeks as we Open up the first segment talking about some Rams and then get into some of the interviews with our crossovers. Next week, we're going to be crossing over with the NFC East. We've done AFC East. Now we're going to go to the NFC East next week. Talk to them, check in about the draft, see where their teams are heading in 2020. And if everyone is ready for this upcoming season, the schedule drops tomorrow. That's going to be exciting. We're going to be talking with Sosa tomorrow here on the podcast after the schedule drop. And in fact, I saw a pretty interesting tweet from Jordan Rodrigue, who is the new L.A. writer here for The Athletic. And uh, John Clayton was on earlier, and he said that he got a sneak peek, and everyone's getting a sneak peek, but is this true or not, that the NFL schedule the first four weeks will consist of NFC versus AFC. So for the Rams' sakes, that is Patriots, Bills, Jets, and Dolphins. That means no cold trips to New York to visit the Bills. Nice sunny weather down in Miami, which we'll talk about here later on the show. But also, if you're thinking about those four teams to open up the season, where does the Rams, where does that fit in for SoFi Stadium? Is it the Patriots? I can't imagine it would be the Jets opening the stadium. So is it the Patriots coming out here to open the stadium? We'll find out. Well, as you're listening to this, we'll find out later tonight. It's released Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific time. So we're going to get into that. A little bit later. So a really fun show. Taking a look at a lot of different topics. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Five days a week. Your team. Every day. Only on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. Share with some friends. Leave a review if you're feeling it. We always appreciate your feedback. Including with that feedback. You can find us on social media. LA underscore Rambling Bear. Lockdown Rams. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And of course, if you want your voice to be heard. There is our Google number. That number is 657-345-4988. Leave a message 30 seconds or so. Tell us what you're thinking, what your question is. We'll get you on the air and we'll talk about it. Good discussion points are always welcome here. I appreciate you guys reaching out in any form and we look forward to hearing from you. So with all that good stuff out of the way, let's just jump right into it. Thursday's edition of Lockdown Ramps. With this offseason being unlike anything we've seen before, let's take a look at how Les Snead and the Rams have adapted in these uncertain times. 
I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams, and this is your lead story. Right now, no NFL team has a competitive advantage as everyone, including people outside the NFL world, is dealing with the same thing right now. But Les Snead and the Rams are very confident that they are ahead of the game right now as they've put some of these practices in place, even going back a year and a half to two years ago with some of these online meetings. Here's one thing that stood out for me that he said as far as when this thing first hit and the first thing that he thought of when all this started to go down. There's probably an old evolutionary saying that says, you know what, the, the organisms who win in the end uh, handle, the, handle stress the best. So that's probably the first thing that I thought of is, okay, this is going to be stressful, but we got to handle the stress the best. It's only a 10-second clip, but I love it because right away you can tell that Les Need is embracing these challenging times, understanding that everyone is going through the same thing. So if you can take this stress, deal with it the best, all of a sudden you find yourself in a different position than some of the other teams that weren't as prepared for this. And that's something that's really interesting in some of the videos that the Rams have put up on their YouTube page. Getting to know some of these scouts and the process behind Les Snead in this draft is really interesting. He described them as a basketball team, that each person on their staff has a skill set, a superpower, or something that they can rely on. And there's a handful of guys that go into this. We talk about Sean McVay and Les Snead all the time, but there's area scouts, young guys out on the road all the time. And then he talked about a group called the over-the-top guys, the OTTs. Each one of these guys has an area of expertise. They also help break down all the information that's coming in from the area scouts. They also look into the background of players, the passion for football. Uh, some of these guys have a expertise in some of the tech side of this. The Rams very ahead of the game in the NFL as far as technology goes. But once all this craziness happened around the world with the COVID-19, uh, they jumped into the remote meetings right away, started having these conversations, scouting players, having that back and forth about all these area scouts, what they've gone out and seen, and now coming together in a room and trying to figure out how they were going to put together a draft. And one of my favorite clips that came out from this YouTube series that the Rams put up is Les Snead putting one of his area scouts under the gun and asking Michael Pierce, if you were the GM, what would you do with this selection? And this was weeks before the draft, and it's funny how it ended up playing out. Michael, if you were a GM, would you take Acres in the second, or would you say I'd get someone similar to Piron or Piron in the fourth? I'm taking Acres. If he's there, I, I, I would. I, I think you have to take him because he's just so much of a complete back. He he's, he'd end up being your workhorse in my opinion. Michael Pierce, well done, my friend. Uh, Lesney put you on the spot, and you delivered basically with conviction that no other choice would be the choice other than Cam Akers at 52. In another part of the series, he continued to kind of go on about how things were stacked up against him at Florida State. We talked about Akers having a poor offensive line, and he mentioned that only four players have been drafted in the last three years, only two of them on the offense side, one offense lineman and Cam Akers. Uh, but that hasn't stopped them, that every team coming in to face Florida State, their game plan was to slow down Cam Akers, and no one really seemed to succeed. This guy was a one-man wrecking show out there at Florida State. So excited about this prospect, excited to kind of get a little behind the scenes on how the Rams talks were going during this draft process, some of the area scouts, the process behind the other people that you don't hear about, the big names, always less need, Sean McVay. So to hear from some of these guys on the other side that are digging deep into these prospects and then coming up to the big dog, Les Snead, and basically saying, hey, this is my guy. This is why I would take him. And then ultimately, it's up to 
Les Need, Sean McVay. I'm pulling that ultimate trigger on getting these guys in the building. But exciting stuff coming out of the Rams. So I'm going to keep digging into some of those videos that the Rams put in, try to find some of those awesome quotes that I absolutely love that show some of the things behind the scenes that the Rams are doing, getting us prepared for this 2020 season, whenever that will come. And we're going to break down all of the draft picks as they did in an hour and a half conversation with JB Long. He did a great job uh, bringing on some of those area scouts, having Les Snead there and describing to us what they saw in some of these players. And we're going to take a look and get you guys excited about this draft class that's coming in and how they can ultimately merge into the existing roster here and getting the Rams back into playoff football. That's what they expect. That's what we expect. LA's opening a brand new stadium. Lots of exciting things to get ready for. And we're going to do it here Monday through Friday on Lockdown Rams. But up next, we are jumping over to our conversation with Kyle Krabs. I had an awesome time talking with him. He's over there at Lockdown Dolphins. Before we do, don't forget, Built Bar. It's the best thing you actually can have. After my long opening segment rant, I actually could use a little snack here. I mentioned before the mint chocolate cream was one of my favorites. Well, I'm out of that. So now it's on to peanut butter brownie. Not a bad secondary choice. Again, not dry. Not chalky. Not a task to finish. This is like a candy bar. This thing is gone quicker than you can really get into the wrapper. But for you guys that actually care about the good ingredients, let me tell you, it's packed with it. Uh, only 110 calories, 4 grams of fat, 5 net carbs, 4 grams of sugar. Uh, if you look across the board at everybody else in this category, they are 5 to 6 to 7 times different on all of that. And then you go to the protein side, and nobody can really compare with what they are putting down on this bar. And again, I'm going to beat you over the head with it. It just tastes really, really good. So you get the best of both worlds. You can tell somebody that you're eating healthy when you rock up with a built Bar, and then you also can enjoy it as a candy bar because it is just that damn good. And because you're a loyal listener of Lockdown Ramps, they are taking care of you. All you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKDOWN, gets you $10 off an 18-pack box. They go for about $37, so you're getting out of the door with about $27 for 18 bars. Guaranteed by the time you guys get through that first box, you're going to be coming back to order some more. They're awesome, easy to eat, tastes good. You guys get it. BuiltBar.com. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWN to get those $10 off. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins being joined by Bear Motter of Locked On Rams. We are continuing this crossover series between the AFC East and the NFC West. We get a chance to get some untraditional matchups between these two teams and, and divisions throughout the course of this year. And 
Uh, Bear, first and foremost, you guys had a very different experience with the NFL draft in 2020 than the Dolphins did. I feel like these were a tale of two different teams uh, in different phases of their life cycles, but uh, really appreciate you carving some time. Uh, how things going and, and how was the draft and how how has the reception been for the draft for Rams fans? Yeah, I feel like the reception is a, is a two-part reception, right? The initial shock of we went running back wide receiver. What the heck? You know, I thought we had a lot of defensive uh, holes we need to fill. And then kind of as you start to dig into these guys, you start to see who the Rams picked up in the third round as well as they kind of added pieces there. You start to see people coming around and envisioning, you know, Cam Akers in this offense and hearing Les Need and Sean McVay talk about how excited they are about him and Van Jefferson. So it was like a two part. And I think I was definitely a part of that when I was watching it live thinking, you know, okay, this isn't, you know, I did a thousand mocks coming up and Cam Akers never seemed to be in any one of mine, uh, but that seems like how it always goes. And in and, and a lot of my mocks, I was trying to get as many picks from you guys as possible. I was trying to do all these right. trades with the Dolphins to try to move back and select, you know, grab some of those picks. I thought that was going to be the Rams game plan coming in, trying to get as many selections as possible. As so many people said, this draft is so deep in so many positions, uh, but that wasn't the case. They didn't trade until the fourth round. They only had one trade. And they got guys that they really liked, and, and they found the first four picks that they got. These are guys that can play uh, right away and find a you know find a niche in this uh, scheme somewhere to get some playing time in year one. So I look at the Rams and where they are at as a team right now, and obviously with the departures of Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley and, and the money that's rolled up into that, Dolphins fans definitely understand what the Rams are feeling right now as far as the squeeze from the salary cap and how you guys have had to restructure Jared Goff's contract to work open a little bit of space. And obviously long-term thinking about silent signing Jalen Ramsey, the dolphins did this for a very long time, lived up against the cap, you know, tried to, to squeeze every year out to make a competitive push. But unlike the dolphins, the Rams have actually had some success. What is the sense and feeling of the Rams and their long-term longevity that they have to be a successful football team, because that's not something that the Dolphins were really able to capture throughout the course of their time under Mike Tannenbaum, which is when they were really pressed up against the cap every year. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, you know, you saw a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl and they made a couple of those big trades in the offseason, mm -hmm. they brought in uh, Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. You kept hearing people say, oh, they're going all in. They're going all in. And Lesney continues to say, like, we're trying to go all in every year. Like, we're not trying to build and break down and build and break down. And obviously, with the way that they've built a lot of these contracts, that kind of was going to be the case at some point, especially with the Gurley injury. Uh, Brandon Cooks had, you know, his own injuries with, you know, some of the head stuff as well. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because I think the, the Rams are going to continue to always be competitive um, and try to have this, uh, you know, idea of going for it at all times. So you'll see them move some big time players. They're going to shock you. They're going to kind of uh, play on that edge of, you know, is that the right thing or is it not? And I kind of like that in the style of being aggressive. And you're not going to hear a lot of Rams fans kind of like, looking at them and poking them with a stick, like do something, do something less need. And this organization is going to continue to try to find a way to win. Um, they got Jared Goff. They're really excited about him They're You know, nationally, I don't think people are as excited as they are out here in Los Angeles about Jared Goff had a down year last year. Uh, but with Sean McVay controlling the offense, bringing in Kevin O'Connell and kind of having some help 
there as offense coordinator. Kind of excited to see him as a bounce back. We finally have healthy running backs. We don't have to have that discussion in the offseason, which really dominated the talk last season. And then you got Aaron Donald on the defense side of the ball uh, and Jalen Ramsey, you know, defending uh, out in that secondary. So you got two elite players. I think that's something that, you know, the Rams fans will be, you know, used to seeing here is dominant players at some positions and then a lot of young guys filling in trying to get it done that's just the way that Les Snead has kind of uh, built this program and you know it may work sometimes it may not but I think he's going to continue to stay uh, you know really risky and aggressive in all of this and trying to put together a championship team looking out in the NFC West it's you know you got to be aggressive to go get it because mm -hmm. the Seahawks Niners and now Cardinals uh, all of a sudden waking up and realizing that they can make some good moves and you know, stack some really good talent. They've done pretty well over the last couple of years, and I think they're going to get better. So uh, it's going to be, you know, aggressive nature out here, but I think the Rams have a short-term and a long-term plan in mind. I think both involve, you know, trying to stack up 9, 10, 11 wins a season. And then just hoping you you have that get hot at the right time and make the deep postseason run. Um, exactly. Building some as I, veterans. Yeah, as I, as I look at, the roster for LA, you know, we we've talked about how they're in a, a mindset of trying to win now and trying to, to walk the tight rope to be able to restock and reload every year. One area that uh, has been a sore spot for the dolphins for a really long time um, that I'm, I'm interested in your perspective on bear for the Rams, the offensive line. Uh, when they made the run to the super bowl, it was Roger Saffold and John Sullivan were parts of that offensive interior. And those guys left after 2018 and, uh, you had mentioned the injury issues with the running back stable with Todd Gurley, and obviously that playing a part in why the running game didn't necessarily find as much success in 2019 as it did in 2018 for the Rams. Were you surprised to see them effectively stand pat? They drafted a seventh-round offensive lineman from Clemson, Tremaine Ancrum, but really that was the only addition to this group. Did they, I, I take it they like that interior group and some of the depth that they have there, even though some of these guys aren't really established and polished at the pro level yet? Yeah, I think nationally the look of the Rams is, you know, they had a pretty bad offense line. They didn't do anything about it. Uh, but if you take a deeper look and you go back over the last two drafts, they brought in a lot of guys that they really like. And we saw David Edwards and Bobby Evans from last year step in near the end of the season and play really well. I mean, obviously there's still uh, some work to be done there and trying to be a full-time guy that you can count on. Rob Habenstein, uh, right tackle, went out with an injury near the end and they never really brought him back. Uh, he struggled, probably his worst year as a Ram. Uh, so if he can get back to what we saw in that 2017-2018 season where we could really count on him at the right side, you know, you got some stability there. Austin Blythe uh, was playing guard last season. They moved him over to center. He really started to pick up his game. Uh, so I think they like some of these young guys. Joseph Noteboom never really gotten a shot full-time. Uh, he started at left guard last year, tore his ACL. Uh, that was done for him. So they drafted him. Uh, I believe it was third round two years ago. So they've got some young guys that they're still really excited about. I was surprised, though, to not see uh, some you know interior offensive line help in this draft. Again, as we talked mm -hmm. about being pretty deep in all these positions, there were some guys, maybe fourth round, uh, you know, I'd maybe not expect them to go and waste the second round pick and they wanted to fill immediate needs there. But, uh, you know, Andrew Whitworth, you know, signed a three year deal. He's not sticking around for three years. You, you know, you hope you get a year out of him, But. Uh, you know, it is interesting a little bit, but it kind of shows uh, that they're going to live and die by this offense line they have. And they kind of made that decision when they let Roger Saffold walk uh, and they kind of, you know, rebuilt that with Brian Allen at center, who has kind of not really 
shown to be much yet. Again, he had an injury last year as well. So uh, it, it is a, a head scratcher, but at the same time, they're kind of doubling down right now and saying, these are our guys. And yeah, maybe next year we'll look to add some more value depending on what Andrew Whitworth does. But uh, they, they really believe in what they have. Aaron Cromer is the offensive or is the line coach there. Uh, and they really trust in what he can do. So these guys can play multiple positions. But yeah, a little surprising that they didn't add some more depth in here, but they didn't have a lot of draft picks, and they decided to fill needs elsewhere. That's been my most favorite part of this crossover series is is talking to you guys over in the NFC West and and trying to find, coming into these conversations, what the parallels are to the Dolphins now, what the parallels are to how the Dolphins used to operate, and can definitely see some parallels as far as the Rams and Dolphins from a spending philosophy and you know choosing to identify your guys and really betting on yourselves as far as personnel, but the big difference being now the Dolphins are a team that is much more like how the Rams are viewing this uh, as far as player development being a really big thing and having young guys that they like, whereas you know the Dolphins of old would be spending and and pick a guy that they like who's 32 years old and say, okay, this guy's going to take care of this guard problem for us, and lo and behold, he gets hurt week one and doesn't play the rest of the season, and you haven't addressed the offensive line at all. So coming up next, what we're going to do is flip the script. I'm going to kind of pick the brain of Kyle Krabs on the Miami Dolphins, their draft what they have coming up, and kind of the game plan moving forward under year two with Brian Flores. But first, guys and gals, let me enlighten you on the latest read from author Alka Joshi. And with Sunday being Mother's Day, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so let's celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it just happens to be Reese Witherspoon's book club's pick for the month of May. Then, any time in May, post a picture of your mom or you holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author at the Alka Joshi. That's T-H-E-A-L-K-A-J-O-S-H-I, all one word. A donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to Feeding America. So guys and gals, buy the henna artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target. And make mom the ultimate winner in your family. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked on Fancy Football with your Locked on Fancy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fancy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. So it's crossover week. We are back here with Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. 
I am Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams, and we are kind of talking shop here in the offseason as we look forward to this schedule. Uh, the release is coming later this week. It'll be exciting to see when all these games are being scheduled. Of course, we don't know how that schedule will truly play out, but that, as of right now, they're putting it down on as planned. So it's going to be exciting to see where the Rams will be playing and when uh, on the schedule is the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins, uh, as we talked about in the first segment, was we talked about the Rams draft. Uh, Dolphins had, what, 25, 35 picks in this NFL draft? It seemed like every third pick, it was the Miami Dolphins on the clock. They got their guy right from the beginning, Tua Tungvaloa. So I'll start there. Talk to me about uh, drafting Tua. I mean, he was the centerpiece of this draft. Where is he going to go? How's everything going to fall around him? He ends up going for the tank for Tua. It worked out. What are your thoughts on that pick and kind of how the rest of the draft played out for the Dolphins? Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to see what the Dolphins are going to build their offense with. When you look at the the draft in its entirety and how they're going to build around Tua, think a lot about what Tua had so much success with at the University of Alabama, which was power run game, a lot of RPO concepts when Steve Sarkeesian came in here. They ran more vertical offense in 2018. 2019 is much more West Coast concepts and, and tagging, pass patterns on the back end of run plays and a lot of power run downhill. And then you watch the Dolphins, they draft Tua at number five. They they manage to play their cards right and not have to trade up and sacrifice extra picks. And then they went out and they drafted Austin Jackson and Solomon Kindly and Robert Hunt within the first four rounds, in addition to signing Eric Flowers and Ted Karrison for agency. I mean, they're offensive. They brought in six new offensive linemen. Average weight across the board for these guys is almost 330 pounds. Add on Jordan Howard being the the new running back that's came over in free agency as well. And Shane Gailey is the new offensive play caller who, you know, between his last two stops in Buffalo and New York with the Jets, a lot of horizontal spread concepts. And he has experience with college offenses. So I really think you're going to see the Dolphins, you know, kind of start this transition away from Ryan Fitzpatrick with the personnel, start segueing over into setting up Tua Tungavailoa for success in doing a lot of the same stuff that he did at Alabama, which is what good coaches do. So as far as I look at the big picture with what the Dolphins are doing and specifically with Tua quarterback, Dolphins fans should be absolutely thrilled to see this. It's just a question of how long does this take to gel and then staying true to that identity so you're not asking Tua to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. Yeah, I'm excited to see Jordan Howard down there. He's finally landing in a spot where I feel like they want him to be there. You know, mm-hmm. near the end of his Bears career, didn't seem like they wanted him there. And Philadelphia never seemed to have a fit. Uh, so coming down to Miami, it seems like he finally is getting a crack to kind of get back to the game that we saw in those early years in Chicago where he could be a productive back. Um, going back to Tua really quick, I'm just going to shoot you a question here. Over under six starts next year for Tua, what are your oh, thoughts geez. on that? Uh, I'll take the under. Uh, I I would not be surprised to see him get a crack at the second half of the season, but I really think Fitzpatrick has a year worth of sweat equity with the coaching staff there, and the coaches fell in love with him over the last 10 games of last season once he got put back into the starting lineup. And with so many new pieces on the offensive line, I do think an experienced quarterback is going to be a really important piece, at least early on. But if we get to the back half of the schedule, and Miami is 3-6, and six, what do you have to lose at that point, provided Tua medically with his hip recovery is is cleared and good to go, and it sounds like that would be the case. I wouldn't be surprised if, as long as the, the offensive line is not a complete liability, they, they turn the keys over in the second half of the year if they find themselves uh, kind of looking at a shot season when it's all said and done. 
So as we talked about Jordan Howard, not really finding a home that wanted him, uh, you know, looking at the quarterback depth, I th- I see Josh Rosen. Uh, is that the case for him? Is he on the way out looking for a new home of somewhere that uh, someone's going to want him? Or do you think he stays on as a third quarterback there and uh, tries to find a place maybe next year? I think he sticks, but it's more because I don't think they're going to be able to find any kind of market for him whatsoever. You think about Oh, Andy Dalton was on the, the market and Cam Newton's still out there and, and those guys and what they've been able to accomplish, obviously Andy Dalton signing with the Dallas Cowboys this past week, Miami gave up a two for Rosen. And I don't think they're just going to give him away to get him out of the building because he's still a young, cheap backup with a nice arm. Uh, the unfortunate thing with Josh is you know, he had three offensive coordinators in three years at UCLA. And then he had two offensive coordinators in one year at Arizona. And now he's had two offensive coordinators and two off seasons in Miami. So he has never had the chance to to really settle into a playbook and he's a cheap young talent physically talented quarterback as far as what he's able to do throwing the football I just think he's from a confidence perspective and a league perception perspective with how slow he was to process stuff last year because the Dolphins formally running a New England Patriots style offense with Chad O'Shea as the offensive coordinator they gave the quarterback total control at the line of scrimmage. So calling protection, setting the mic, audibling routes and sight adjustments on routes. And, and Josh came in here and he's like, I've never been asked to identify the mic before, let alone right. like call protection to stuff. So like his head was swimming. And I think that was a really big revelation for if Miami could get value for him, I think they'd move him, but I just don't think he's going to have a market. Yeah, no, and I totally get that. I just always, every time I think of Josh Rosen, I think of Hot Tub in the dorm room when he was out oh, here yeah. at UCLA. That's the first thought I have, and and uh, he just hasn't had a good chance to, uh, you know, show his talents. And you said when he came down there, it was like he was reading a Japanese book when he was looking at the playbook. So uh, some time for him to uh, hopefully kind of catch up and maybe find a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we looked, you know, we've been talking about the offense. I want to jump over to the defense. Uh, you wrote a pretty good article uh, either today or yesterday talking about uh, how the Dolphins have really bolstered up that defensive front. Obviously, Flores has a defensive background. Uh, this team really kind of finished the season strong, as you mentioned. But uh, is this the year the defense really takes a big step forward? I think so. Uh, I, I think they just didn't have the horses last year to really get gets the teeth in the defense that Flores wanted to. Uh, they had nobody capable of collapsing angles or nobody capable of winning off the edge or they couldn't get guys. Xavier Howard played four games last year. So they they just really were playing with a loaded deck against them. And you, you think about Howard coming back and uh, signing Byron Jones in free agency and Noah Ibahagany is a first round pick who was a little bit of a surprise pick, almost like the Cam Akers pick for you guys where it wasn't really on the radar. Everybody was like, all right, another offensive lineman, perhaps a running back. Uh, maybe we'll get a defensive end. Nobody thought corner because of the money that was rolled up into Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And then the beef that they've added up front where it, it's all powerful, heavy-handed uh, pocket pushers who are going to collapse the pocket and then allow you know Flores' exotic blitz schemes to generate pressure outside of that. They're going to play in your face in coverage. So it's a very clear blueprint as far as what they're doing. And I don't think necessarily it's a completely finished product. I think they'd ideally like to get a little bit more explosiveness off the edge in the pass rush, but they knew full well they, with so many needs, they were not going to be able to check every single box this offseason. So they did what they could to address the most pressing needs and not just like check the box and then move on, but they actually invested heavily in both sides of the trenches in the secondary, which 
is nice because the Dolphins have typically been a team uh, under past regimes that you know looks to uh, address with a, a veteran who's 30 or a little bit older, and then they just assume the position's been taken care of. But this team is really investing defensively, corners, press corners, and heavy-handed defensive linemen to try and push around the line of scrimmage. Yeah, as you mentioned, kind of both sides that off uh, of offensive line and defensive line. You go get a guy like Tua who's got some injury concerns. It's probably nice for Dolphins fans to see that they invested some draft picks and getting some guys in there that can protect them. Uh, you know, looking back to you know a few of these teams here in the Pacific Northwest with the Seahawks, you're looking at you know people screaming up there, get Russell some protection. Uh, and even going back to Andrew Luck and some of those guys early when they you know struggled at the beginning. But uh, nice to see, too, has got some guys out there protecting them. Uh, this is a question, actually, I was talking with Joe Moreno uh, earlier this week, and he kind of hit me with this, and I thought it was great. So I'm going to kind of you know uh, pass this along. As you're talking to these uh, Rams fans here that are listening today, what is your take on where the Los Angeles Rams are from your perspective outside of the L.A. market and you know, where they're going and kind of their hopes for 2020. What is your view on them as you look at as a mass team? Yeah, I, I, I think they have all the pieces. You know, when you and I talked uh, on the first segment regarding uh, the Rams and their identity as a team, having a few elite players at high-impact positions with Aaron Donald as a defensive interior lineman and Jalen Ramsey as a guy who can mirror around the number one wide receivers, you've got a chance every single week. And you got a brilliant head coach in Sean McVay uh, it seems like the team has really invested in supporting cast around Jared Goff to help keep him successful. You know, you, if you guys hum with the running game, I would expect this team double digit wins. I would expect the playoff berth, especially with the expanded playoff field this year. Uh, that's my expectation for the Rams. And then it just gets down to, are you hot at the right time to make the deep postseason run? Yeah, it's crazy when you look back on some of these games, how much comes down to a play or two and then getting mm-hmm. hot at the right time. Uh, and then you look at the Patriots who were doing it for forever and you're like, man, it seems like they just, you know, started the season in the playoffs, but uh, it's not that lucky. And it probably won't be that way this year, obviously, with Tom Brady moving on. So this division out in the AFC East is going to be a fun one to watch as it's wide open this year. Uh, Kyle, we appreciate you taking time talking to us. We look forward to our next conversation. Obviously, we find out the schedule tomorrow and then we'll figure out when we're playing. We'll have that conversation down the road and, and then we'll start talking real football. It'll be fun to reflect back on some of the thoughts we had here today, but appreciate your time and look forward to talking to you again. Right on. Thanks for having me bear. Enjoy your summer. Best of luck. Stay safe. So that wraps up our AFC East conversations across the board. Go back, check them out. If you missed any Monday through Thursday, we covered all teams in the AFC East next week. We've got the NFC East. We're going to be talking with all those teams out there talking about their draft where they sit right now going into 2020. But tomorrow, we've got Sosa on. We've got the schedule release. Getting back to a full episode of Rams content. Really excited about that. Really excited about our guest tomorrow. So stay with us. But with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fancy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind 
helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.